State of the Industry podcast. This episode is brought to you by KP Movement Education, your source for health and movement education and coaching. Whether you are a health or fitness professional, a fitness consumer, or perhaps a passive bystander, KP believes that everyone deserves the right to pain-free movement. That's why their memberships and services are designed to educate, empower, and inspire you to create a culture of movement for yourself and those around you. With two membership options, you'll find education surrounding developing at-home training programs for yourself or for others, mental health and exercise, lifestyle medicine, and much, much more. Check it out at kineticperformance.ca backslash memberships. That's kineticperformance.ca backslash memberships. Hey, FitFam, welcome back to the State of the Industry podcast. I am your host, Adam Youngsma. In last week's episode, we had on Di Manuel, a highly sought-after lifestyle mentor and executive performance coach. He is also a personal friend and mentor of mine. Now, typically, when we record our podcast, we record them in two parts. And if you've been listening for a while, you know this. But typically, we record both parts one and part two back-to-back on the same day. But before our podcast recording with Di, we spent about 45 minutes of our scheduled time chatting and shooting the breeze, so we ended up running out of time. Thankfully, Dai was eager to hop back on to finish part two, and so this is just that, part number two. If you have never listened to Dai speak before or been coached by him, he has an energy and an optimism that is contagious. So not only is the information he shares during the podcast of great value, but he communicates it in a way that inspires you to take action. You can follow Dai on social media at Dai Manuel or reach out to him through his website, DaiManuel.com. Without any further ado, enjoy the podcast and we will see you on the other side. Hi, welcome back, Dai, to the State of the Industry podcast. I know it was just yeah. yesterday that we recorded part one, but thank you for taking the time for this. Uh, and I want to hop back into it because I know we have a little bit of a time constraint today. Yesterday, we talked a lot about building your tribe and the importance of having that following that you, you mentioned the, the no like trust piece, which I know is part of your, uh, you know, your first 10 clients framework. So we won't get too far into that because I want them to go and check that out. But I do want to speak a little bit about once you kind of have a little bit of a following a little bit of a tribe, how do we utilize social media and how do we utilize things like uh, email lists for the automation and starting to actually attract people who may be purchasers of a product or a program that we're providing? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there, there's lots of strategies, obviously, when you start going down the, the, the rabbit hole, <laughs> it feels yeah. a lot like Alice in Wonderland, right? It's just like, <laughs> Wow, eat this, don't eat that. <laughs> you know, drink this, don't drink this. Uh, it, you know, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It, it, it's, and, and I, 
I know when I first got started, I was very quick to be like, oh, look at what he's doing. Oh, I wonder if I should do that. Oh, what about her? Oh, okay, maybe I'll try that too. And, you know, it's this sort of spray and pray uh, mentality. Um, <laughs> or as they say, the cliche, you know, throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. And, and I think a lot of people's social media strategies is actually just that. Mm -hmm. uh, now, it's not bad because at least you're there. You're, yeah. you're putting content out. You're, you're trying to create engagements, trying to create conversations. Uh, so, so understanding your messaging and your audience are, are paramount before you start down any social media path, to be quite frank, you, you yeah. know, because if you, if you don't really know what you're speaking to, you don't know what the challenges are that you're looking to solve and how you're going to solve it, or at least communicate that in a way that people are like, oh, this is a great value. Oh, this is very relevant to me and, mm -hmm. and some people that I know, you, you know, like there, there's those little aha moments, those little dopamine hits when your content pops up in someone's feed. And they're like, oh, it's like this has been written for me, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's also the power of copywriting. And so there's a number of different skill sets that, that you know, you don't need to be an expert, yeah. but you will want to at least have a general understanding of what that means and what is the goal of using some of those strategies. Mm -hmm. Because then when you have those kind of things in mind, you can track your progress. You, you can see if things are working. And, and I think that's always the challenging part. A lot of people just don't track. They don't look at any other metrics and, yeah. and not for vanity purpose. And, and we sort of talked about this before we hit record. You know, it's some people are just obsessed about getting more numbers. Yeah. I'm not worried about the numbers. I'm just worried about the right people. Yeah. You know, am I speaking to people that truly do resonate with my message to find value in what I have to say? Actually take what I say and apply it to their own lives to create positive results and impact. Great. Then I'm checking off all the boxes. I'm not worried about how many followers or, or how many likes I get. You know, I, I'm just worried about the content is actually resonating with the people I want it to resonate with. Yeah. So it's getting real, right? Like being very real with what your expectations are with social. Yeah. Um, the, the big drawback and why you brought up the email piece is, yeah, we can automate certain uh, email sequences. And, and especially the one sequence that I think is, is really important for people uh, and actually, I'll take a step back and Adam, like, what, we have to recognize, I mean, I am not an owner <laughs> of stock in any social media platforms. Yeah. Okay. So I don't own it and uh, I never will. I mean, that's uh, maybe that's a, a very closed uh, minded thing to say, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't anticipate all of our own shares in, in, in Twitter, or Facebook or Instagram, you know, uh, WhatsApp, which is all under the Facebook window now anyways. But uh, uh you know, these social platforms, you have to recognize it's somebody else's sandbox. Mm -hmm. And we are just participants playing in that sandbox. But the rules change all the time, all the mm -hmm. time. And because of that, it can create a lot of volatility in some people's businesses if they're built with that being the primary driver of traffic, sales, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. and, and actually, if your success is completely dependent on those channels, you can see how if those channels change the rules, it can affect your business very quickly. Yeah. You, you know, I, I had a, a, I'm very active in some of the dad communities, especially down in the States. There's a, the dad 2.0 mm -hmm. uh, conference and, and, and events uh, group and really cool. So it brings a lot of uh, dads that are leveraging digital platforms to generate extra incomes or to connect with other dads. And it's just a very cool community. But what's really neat about the community is, is you get some of these guys that are, are creating great incomes, staying at home, full-time dads, but leveraging social media. 
uh, to, to either sell products or to work with brands, create content that's sponsored, lots of different ways to monetize what you're doing. Uh, but what's unfortunate and what I saw with one person that I knew is he had built a very, very engaged and very profitable, like a six figure platform just on Vine. Mm -hmm. And for those that are listening to this, uh, if you're quite young, you probably won't even know what Vine is. But if <laughs> you know, you've been around social media for the last five, six years, you'll remember that Vine was something that was owned by Twitter. And it was this thing that would allow you to create these 15 second video loops. And that's all it was. You were making these little videos and people would watch them, subscribe to the loops. And he was making six figures through sponsorships and, and creating content for brands and all sorts of stuff. But then if you know the way of Vine, it went the way of the Dodo and Twitter was like, pulled the plug on it and says, we're done with this platform. We're going to yeah. let it go. And uh, his business went from six figures to zero. Yeah. Like overnight, like <laughs> that's scary, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh I've seen people that rely on Google paid traffic and Google will change how the algorithm works. They'll change how the, the paid marketing works. Uh, and, and you'll know what was working before and was very profitable. All of a sudden now is losing money. Yeah. And, and that's why you have to be in tune with what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, so now I, with that sort of preface, uh, realize if you don't own the platforms, you don't have control over the rules of the platforms. Yeah. Uh, there's power in taking your audiences that you do have there and bringing it to something that you do own. Yeah. The nice thing is, is if you use an email platform like Aweber, ActiveCampaign, MailChimp, there's all these, these third-party platforms that allow you to collect email addresses and contact information and, and send newsletters, emails, broadcasts, sequences of messages to people that have subscribed saying, hey, I'm interested in your content. I'd like more updates. Thank you. Here's my email. Start sending away. You own that. And it's a great way to onboard people into who you are, what you're about, some of your key messaging, your best content. I, I call it an indoctrination sequence. Yeah. And that's what it's commonly referred to in, in, in just the industry. And because you're indoctrinating them into who you are. But it's usually one, maybe a few pieces of content that have made them interested in what you have to say. They saw some value. You, you put a subtle call to action saying, hey, if you want more great information like this or more recipes or more home workouts you can do, you know, just sign up here for my monthly newsletter or my yeah. weekly newsletter. You know, like it, it's a really simple call to action that a lot of people are very accustomed to. I don't know how many email lists that you're on, Adam, but I know I'm on a lot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Every morning, every morning. Every, yeah. yeah. And it's like, delete, delete, delete. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> every once in a while I read a line and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I want to read that, you know, yeah. I'll open it. And yeah. uh but there's a lot of uh, to be said about that because it, you have a lot more control over that. You own that uh, email list and you can market to it, mm -hmm. you know? build that community, that tribe that we were talking about. It's this developing uh, a development of the no like trust, deepening yeah. that relationship. And uh, sometimes it feels very one sided because we're broadcasting, we're projecting all this messaging. But there's all and a lot of my email sequence, I always have a, a sign off at the end where I'll have a call to action at times saying, hey, if you, this resonated with you or any aha moments popped up, just hit reply and let me know what came up for you. You know, yeah. and inevitably, I get some people that reply. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, just to create engagement, let them know that there's a real person on the other side. <laughs> You know, yeah. that's listening and paying attention. But the cool thing is with this, Adam, once you've set that up, it's automated. You just refer people to a page, they put their name and email in, and then that sequence takes over. 
Yeah. And from that sequence, like in my own sequence, I direct them to other sequences only if they're interested. They have to opt in. They have to express an interest. So I'm not just blasting people for the sake of blasting them. I'm sure we've all had those negative experiences with email lists where you signed up for some free offer. Next thing you know, you're blowing up. You know, your mailbox is blowing up with offers, save 50%, buy now, you got three hours left, blah, 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 right? Yeah. And uh, that serves a purpose. But if you're not transparent with the person that's signing up at the time, that there may be some offers, I find that they'll tend to unsubscribe. They just yeah. will. They'll be like, mm, yeah, peace out. This is not a value to me. No, yeah. thank you. And that's why I always say you got to build the, the awareness. That's what social media is great for. You're going to build your awareness. You're going to create content. You're going to expand on, on your thoughts, your thought leadership, and, and really just create stuff that inspires, motivates, and educates people. Then from that awareness, that knowledge, hopefully people start to like you. You know, mm-hmm. start to trust you. And, and then when you have these subtle calls to action, people are more apt to actually take action because yeah. there is that that existing relationship and trust there. Yeah. And, and so that's sort of the foundational pieces. And, and people may be like, well, how do you do all that stuff? Like, how <laughs> do I set all that up? Well, man, go to the university of YouTube. There's a lot of information on there on how to do this stuff. Yeah. Also, a lot of these sites like MailChimp, Aweber, ActiveCampaign, those are some of my favorites because uh, they're, they're not too big of an investment. Some of them are actually free if you only are just starting out, but they have lots of tutorials on how to set up the platforms, how to integrate it, how to, to schedule. Like it, it, the knowledge is free f- to, for people to have. Yeah. You just got to take the time to, to learn it or you hire someone to do it for you. I mean, yeah. that's really your options, right? Uh, yeah. But I recommend anybody that's transitioning to the online space, the, the, this is something that I would encourage you to, to have is at least your own email list where you can start to collect um, people's contact details so you can keep in touch with them, keep yeah. them informed, provide value, develop that no like, trust, and awareness. I have a lot of people that have been on my email list. I have one guy just became a client about six months ago. Yeah. And he'd been following me on my online as well as my newsletters for eight years. Yeah. Eight years. <laughs> That's a long sales cycle. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and but the neat thing is, and, and I like to let people know this, is he never engaged on any of my social posts. So he was never commenting, never liking. He's just more of someone that was just watch. He doesn't engage with stuff. Yeah. But he does consume content. And there's a lot of people that are just like that out there. Yeah. And that's why I like to let people know, and you've seen me talk in my social media presentation where I really want to emphasize this. There's a lot of people that see your stuff, but may never engage, yep. may never comment, may never like, may never share. They may never sign up, but they are aware of who you are, what you do, and they are consuming some of the posts that you're putting up. So, mm-hmm. you know, social is working, even though sometimes the data or the analytics may not be directly correlated to that. You know, yeah. like it may not be evident uh, as evident. And, but I see this pop up in my own business. I'll go to an event and they'll be like, Oh, weren't you just here or here? And, you know, people ask me, well, I saw you were in Bali and, you know, you just moved back and like, what's going on? I'm like, well, how do you know all this? And I, I know that they've probably seen it on my social channels because I share it all, Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they never engage. They never like, I, I mean, I, I, they never show up on my own feed, like, yep. but they're aware. They are consuming the content. And, and so th- this is all important stuff to, to realize because I know there's times where we get discouraged. Right? Yeah. We put stuff out and it's like, man, well, my mom liked it. My <laughs> brother liked it. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, look, my uncle that I haven't spoken to for 10 years, he actually had a comment on that. I might have to delete that one. But uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. either way, it, it, it can be discouraging time. That's why it's a long-term play. It's not a short-term, and, unless you're wanting to go the paid marketing route. But once you go down the paid route, 
you, you know, it's really hard to, to step away from the paved route because yeah. you get used to a certain amount of traffic flow, right? Yeah. And um, so I, I usually think that there's a hybrid model can be a nice place to, to, to step off to once you've got a foundation set up. Yeah. And I think like from our discussions and from a lot of the research that I've done on this topic as well, there's a, like, there's an art to kind of the, the setup of the sequence. There's an art to the actual writing of the subject line and kind of what that first kind of intro teaser is. Uh, but it, it's a lot of the stuff specifically on things like social media like social media is about consistency. If you're not on const, like constantly, you're not putting out stuff on a r- fairly regular basis, then your yeah. the amount that you go into other people's inbox who maybe not don't follow you is a lot lower, right? So like there's there's a lot in there, but as you said, it's not it's not that hard to do if you put in the time to figure out how to do it, right? right. Like it's actually yeah. not that difficult to do. No. And uh, I know you because I actually scrolled through your because i like i've followed you for since you've i think had like six or nine thousand followers and now you're at 30 some i think 34 thousand or something like that 37 thousand and like you you post pretty much every day right like every single day and um you know it's not always a long post that has a whole bunch of information it's it's your life it's your active lifestyle and you're demonstrating exactly what you talk about and then what you then sell right is is your coaching for like you're a you're a lifestyle mentor you're a, you're a high performance life coach right like yeah. that's and a business coach like that's what you do and so you you can see that when you go on your instagram you see that and i find with a lot of people they just post randomness right. and it's like i don't i don't know what you are or what you're doing right like what you're standing for because there's yeah. no consistency with as you said the post they haven't figured out what that target market is that they're going after right absolutely and i think you you hinted at it there you know this idea of showing versus telling you know Mm -hmm. and and i think it's a it's a wonderful thing to keep front of mind or a filter to apply things through it's like uh, often i mean you just even i always say like if i was reading this post Mm -hmm. like it, it showed up in my feed how would i feel yeah. Based on this post, where I feel motivated, where I feel inspired, where I feel like I've learned something, yeah. do I feel entertained? You know, is there any sort of emotional response from the piece of content? And is it me just being sort of broadcasty or, you know, pardon? Well, you know what? It, it, I mean, we all see this. Let's yeah. be frank. It, it's there, there's sometimes the pulpit moment, right? Where people take social and it's a place for them to preach from. Yeah. You know, it's that pulpit. Here's my audience. I'm going to just bleh, <laughs> and espouse all my opinions, uh, or I'm going to tell you what you should be doing. And mm-hmm. I don't, I know for myself personally, this is my own personal experience. I don't like those kind of posts. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to be told to do anything. Yeah. I'd like to be invited to maybe try something. I like to be shown what the benefits are of trying something different mm-hmm. that I might not be trying. Mm-hmm. Great. That teaches me. It inspires me. It shows me what's possible rather than someone just saying, hey, go do this. You know, yeah. it's sort of that parent-child uh, uh, relationship, right? And, uh, and I think that's there's a lot of that out there, um, especially, you know, right when we, we talked about this yesterday a little bit in, in the first part where I know a lot of trainers that were, were highly stressed and, and pressure, feeling a lot of pressure when the gym started to close because of the pandemic and, you know, their businesses changed overnight and, yeah. and a lot of people went straight to online and it was just a lot of sales messages, you know, yeah. 
And, and a lot of them were very similar to one another. So it's just like this wave of just, bleh, you know, like I'm like, none of this speaks to me. Yeah. And, and it read desperation. Yeah. And, uh, and I think people felt that, you know, because yeah. that does get transmitted. But is that the emotion you were looking to elicit in people? And yeah. I, I know for sure a lot of the trainers that I've spoken to, no, <laughs> that yeah. was not what they were trying to go for. And, and so there is a, you know, being a little bit more tactful and, and always yeah. ask yourself, how would I feel if I was, you know, the person on the other side receiving this content, Yeah, you know? And, and uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I think the Bible talks about that, right? Treat yeah. others as you want to be treated. I mean, I think yeah. that's a, a pretty basic yeah. rule of thumb and it definitely applies to, to social media too. Yeah. And I think what you said there specifically surrounding trainers at the beginning of something like this pandemic, where the fitness industry was flipped on its head. Yes. That's right. Like it's, it's changed no matter what anybody says, like it's changed forever now because, Absolutely. uh, like John Goodman, who, who does the, the PTDC and the, mm -hmm. the online trader Academy trainer Academy, sorry, he, he wrote a post about, you know, the fitness industry being dead, but I, I don't know if it's dead so much as people have realized the fragility of it right. and that they have to have multiple streams of, of income or at least a plan in place that they can move into from that in-person to online. Right. And so I like what you said when they're like, it's the people who hadn't prepared for something like that. Yeah. They felt that emotion of, oh my goodness, what's going on? So they're panicky. And then as you said, that then the posts that they post, because they feel panicky, yes. the posts come off as being panicky. Correct. And it's not to say that they don't have quality content, but everybody oh, yeah. then feels like everybody's feeling panicked at that point, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's understanding that if you don't have that in place, it's a long-term play. Like it's something like, it's not just going to come in the next week or two. And this instant gratification society, it takes some time to maneuver into that realm. Yes, correct. Right, and develop correct. that. So I like that you said that. So you mentioned something at the beginning about staying on top of changes in kind of social media and um, like the algorithms that Google uses, even Instagram mm -hmm. with their uh, yeah. either paid advertising, Facebook with their paid advertising. How do you, how do you stay on top of things mm -hmm. like that? How do you make sure that you stay on top of those? So yeah, I am not a full-time person in that realm, right? Like I'm not working in that industry like i utilize the industry for my yeah. own personal business and, and personal reasons and uh but i'm not someone that's in the industry all the time so i definitely look for third parties and, and experts authorities that are full-time in space so like social media examiner yeah. wonderful website great content like it's crazy i've never bought a product from them ever I'm on the email list. I do get the occasional offers to join certain offers that they have, but I've never bought, but I love their content, you yeah. know, like it's, it's very timely. And when you look at the website, it's like, it, it, I really feel it needs an update. It's been like the same way forever, but the content is solid, you know, and, and I learn a lot from that. There's also uh, Ryan Dice of uh, digitalmarketer.com. Again, great resource. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk, wonderful resource. I, I I went through a period of time where I had to unplug from Gary though, <laughs> Gary V. It just, it, it, because I, I mean, when you get to know him, like I've read all his books, you know, yeah. I've even read a couple of them twice. Uh, I, I love them. Um, I think there's so much great content and information and strategies within it. Uh, but 
you know, when you start to listen to him on all his platforms, whether it be Facebook lies or his podcast or whatever, you know, uh, for me, I just, I had Gary burnout. (laughs) It was just like, okay, I can't drink any more of this, you know? And, uh, but, but overall, uh, you know, those are some of the main people. Um, there's also a Sunny Leonard doozy. She's got a great YouTube channel. She's a local Vancouverite Canadian. Uh, and uh, she has just a wonderful platform that really talks to video marketing specifically. And, mm-hmm. and um, so she, she's got some really smart stuff and she often shares a lot of tips and tricks, like little hacks on her yeah. YouTube channel. So that's another one that I like. Uh, those would be the primary ones. Like okay. those are my trusted resources. There's a lot of other newsletters I get, but I find that, you know, they're, they're hit and miss. Uh, for those that are really into Instagram, later.com. Great resource. I like to use that tool for scheduling purposes with my Instagram account. Like this week, I'm in Whistler. I'm I'm found I've had a bit more time to do stuff sort of on the fly. But a lot of time, I'll schedule out posts. Yeah. Um, just because that's the way it works with my calendar, and it's not, it, it takes that pressure off of me. <laughs> yeah. And then that way, I can focus on the stories. Yeah. Because stories I find are very much in the know it's happening right now and uh that's the way i like to look at it i don't schedule stories even though there you can i mean there's a lot of people that do do that i i i don't i haven't adopted that yet but yeah. uh not to say that i won't yeah. um but later also has that functionality uh yeah. but it's amazing all they focus is on instagram so their information as far as the algorithms and changes and feature updates it's just super cool and then they have lots of tutorials that'll walk you through that stuff yeah and they're also owned by a Canadian. It's actually nice. Greg Smith's brother. You know, Greg Smith, we talked about guy that owns Thinkific, yeah, yeah. another Vancouverite. Um, you know, he's the one that really turned me on to this whole idea of digitizing knowledge. You know, yeah. it's, it's, he knows that space really well. And uh, so, yeah, his brother owns later. Like, it's nice. pretty cool. You know, it's some power brothers, man. It's, it's yeah, neat. for sure. But yeah, so sorry. Yeah, you asked me the question, what are my resources? Those are the ones. Okay. Those are like the ones. If people are just following those ones, my goodness, it, it, it's fast forward learning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, there's a lot to do. Like you mentioned scheduling posts, um, another piece of automation that people can use for something like Instagram, right? Like, because when you look at the actual posts themselves, most of that stuff isn't the right now, as you said, the story is the right now, what's going on, what am I doing? But the posts can be kind of planned in a way that they, they almost tell a story, right? So a lot of people pattern their their posts with different things. I know if you scroll enough down on yours, you were doing a pattern for a while where you had this yes. white, white thing down the center and then you yeah, have the two on yeah. the other side. And yeah, and I think being able to do that, you put one day aside or, or you know, maybe, uh, you know, a few hours on a weekend to put together your posts, schedule them for the week, and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. That's right. Right. You don't have to and- think about it. And, and keep no, like you, you did just touch on it there. You know, you said, you know, maybe it's a half a day to start with. Well, believe me, the more you do this, it's like flexing a muscle. It gets stronger. It gets more efficient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> takes less time to recover. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it's the same with this, these types of tools. When you first start using them, you're like, oh my gosh, I feel like a fish out of water. This is hard. You know, this doesn't feel natural. This is like, even like, oh, what am I going to write to this picture? I don't know. Oh, geez. You know, there's just a, a lot of, there's more questions than answers. Yeah. Right. And, but stay the course. Just, yeah. just push through that. I mean, those that are in the fitness space, you know, that first workout back after a big break, it sucks. <laughs> you know? It does. And, but it gets better. And, and the same will apply with, with your social media and social media marketing. And, and don't worry about all the channels. <laughs> just figure out one, two, at most three that you are feeling really good about that you, you know the majority of the, the people you've identified that you want to work with are on those platforms. Yeah. You know, so for me, it, it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Like yeah. those are my three. 
Yeah. And the other ones I've got a presence on, but I'm not very active on. Yeah. You know? And, uh, but I let my audience know that. I said, like, I always say that I'm most active on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You know, yeah. you want to connect with me? Connect with me on one of those three. Yeah. Boom. Done. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Anyways, lots to unpack there, I know. Yeah, I would say I probably spend the the same amount of time uh, or, or have the same top three that I utilize. Like, as, yeah. as you said, like, I'm on Twitter, yes. but I don't ever go on Twitter. Yeah. Right. The post is sent from Instagram to yeah. Facebook to in, to Twitter. Right. So I kind of yeah. get the post, but I don't really do much. Like, I'm not a big tweeter. I don't have these really short, quick things to say. I'm right. not that, I'm not that witty. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I usually stick to Instagram, Facebook. And then I do a lot of stuff when, when we're looking at creating connections and networking on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. I don't do yeah. as much posting or commenting on LinkedIn. So I'll probably have to start doing that a lot more because I do see a lot of people posting on there now. It's become much more of a, a social network than it right. was before when it was just a, here's my business kind of profile yes. yeah. resume type of uh, platform it's definitely it is a social platform you yeah know? now it is and and i mean it but the content is very different you know like when you're looking in your feed in your linkedin feed versus say an instagram feed versus a facebook feed you can tell they're they're all very different yeah you know and uh like even instagram and, and facebook uh, specifically instagram uh, this idea of microblogging Yep. is really alive and well. It's sort of what, um, gosh, Tumblr. You remember Tumblr back in the day? Like it, it was very much like that. And I find that Instagram is, is very much like a Tumblr. It's much more engaging, easier platform to use, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, much bigger user base. Uh, <laughs> but um, I really like it for that aspect. So when you were talking about, yeah, I have short bits and I have long bits. Yeah, now some of those longer posts are, are basically I've modified blog articles I've done in the past and then tweaked it to fit an image that I have from something recent and experience. Yeah. So, and this just goes, uh, which I wanted to make sure I, I touched on was this idea of repurposing content. Yeah, because I, I know it's one thing I get from people all the time. It's like, how do you come up with all this content? And I'm like, well, I've been doing it for 14 years. I've also been in the fitness and wellness industry for 25 years. And, you know, I, I know a few things about this stuff, you know, yeah. like uh, just through my own personal life and my life experiences. So it, I've got a lot of stuff I can talk to. Yeah. But I have to ask myself, well, what's really relevant to the people I'm trying to connect to or the people I'm trying to add value to? you know, yeah. make an impact, shift, pivot, whatever you want to call it, uh, create a response, you know, in somebody. And that helps me narrow it to at least themes. And then from those themes, I've got lots of content I've already created in the past. Yeah. And so taking that and repurposing it to fit the platform, mm -hmm. that's, that's where some of my time goes is just taking that content. And if I can take one great piece of content, turn it into half dozen other pieces of micro content, yeah. awesome. You know, and a lot of times I'll have a link just linking people back to the original blog article yeah. that I created, you know, just saying like, hey, if you want more information on this, check out this, yeah. you know, like simple enough. And, and inevitably I see, I see in my links and the tracking. Yeah, I get direct traffic from those posts. So I yeah. know it's working. Yeah. You know, I know that people are reading it and actually taking the action that I was hoping they would, you know, <laughs> and because when they get on my website, they may read that article and then there'll be maybe a pop-up or a little invitation on the side. Hey, if you like this content, well, you're going to love this stuff. Why not sign up here, put your name and email in. I'll send you a little gift. And that gets them into the indoctrination sequence that we talked about earlier. Yeah. So you can sort of see that's just a subtle way of how I'm taking one person from a platform that I'm on 
to a platform that I have a little bit more control with how I communicate with them. Yeah. 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 And I know that you've, you've done a few, I've done a few of these little eBooks that we have both have available and yeah, just taking small bits of content from that eBook, you write the one eBook, you can make it into probably four or five different blog posts. If you wanted to, you can chop it up into, man, each blog post could be, you know, depending on the length of it, probably five, six Instagram or Facebook posts, right? You could make it more business-like or business-oriented towards something like Instagram. Like there's a lot of things that you can do with yeah. something like that with a, with one piece of writing, right? right. Yeah. Um, and so like I always recommend if you have a product that uh, like, or, or sorry, a service that you're trying to, to sell, creating an, a short ebook and the ebook doesn't have to be long. Like it can be, I mm-hmm. think a, a couple of mine are six to eight pages, maybe. Perfect. And there's some videos, some charts, some things yeah. like that, but there's always like, there's a call to action. There's, there's a very specific purpose for that, that one ebook. And um, yeah, I think that's a great way to, to utilize content, as you said, in multiple different platforms and Absolutely. repurpose it. One of my favorite things to do, and just real quick on this note, because it doesn't take much to set up this flow, mm-hmm. is uh, like, uh, as you know, in the past, my, my wife and I have done a lot of Facebook lives, especially yeah. for a period of time there. It was almost daily for two years, Facebook lives uh, with our whole FNS Manifesto program. Yeah. And uh, it was great, but we could take that video and you could... Um, or some of the videos that were more instructional based, not necessarily the workout based ones, but uh, we'd have some that would be motivational based, inspirational based, maybe education on nutrition or or different types of uh, biohacks, you know, lots of that's really just good content that we know that people resonate with. And and so once you know that you've got a piece of content that people are actually liking, that's a prime piece of content that I would earmark to be repurposed. And, And so let's just say you have this great video. You can literally just rip the audio file, turn it into a mini podcast. Yeah. Right. You could also get that transcribed with like online. There's a, a site called Descript. It's a, it's a little tool. I love it. I throw my video file in there or my audio file and it will then spit out the transcript. Yeah. I've got to correct it and edit it. Cause every once in a while, you know, you get this, yeah, well, just, it, it doesn't interpret, especially my proper names. A lot of the times you get these weird things, but yeah. it, it's not like it, it's ready to go. Um, but then you polish it over five or 10 minutes and now you've got a blog article. Yeah. Right. Or, like you just said, you cut it into multiple little micro posts that you could put on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. But you can see how all of a sudden I'm taking this one piece of content, this one video, turned into multiple pieces of content. And even in those cases, when I've transcribed it, I've turned some of those into a mini PDF download, like a little mini ebook or a yeah. pamphlet type download. And so there's so many ways that you can take one amazing piece of content and really stretch it. So yeah. you've got a week's worth of content from that one thing that you did. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why I say like, if you're someone that's okay with doing videos, video content can be a great piece because once you've got that, you can do that whole process that I just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I had a, a gentleman contact me and it was pretty cool being able to like almost instantly transcribe mm-hmm. something like a podcast, like an hour long yeah. podcast that instantly transcribes the, it tells you kind of who's saying what, yeah, the interesting yeah. thing is always specifically in the fitness industry is some of the words, they, sure, I bet. they just cannot transcribe that. And so I like, I'm going through and I'm like, that's not at all what that says. <laughs> just, like imagine you too, like with your background and talking about different <laughs> anatomies and musculatures and yeah. like, gosh, some of those technical terms, I, I, I 
I mean, I wouldn't know how to spell them myself, uh, even if I heard them the right way. So yeah. uh, I can imagine the AI and some of these tools uh, trip up on those too. Yeah, but really cool to be able to do that. And as you said, yeah. turn it into uh, a blog post or something like that from it. And, sure. and you don't even actually have to write. Like I love talking nope. far yeah. more than I love writing because writing, I feel like I'm very... I'm a, very much a perfectionist when I'm writing. I'm a, <laughs> like, I, it has to be perfect. Right. And that slows me down so much. Mm-hmm. And I've had to get better at understanding, okay, this doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to say every single thing. How would I say, like, I, I write how I talk. And so I like it to flow in that way. Yeah. Um, because I like to be as if I am sitting in the room with a person and they're talking, they hear my voice in their head when they're reading. Yeah, like I cool. like that that kind I of love writing. That. Love that. Uh, well, I really wanted to get into talking about decision fatigue and all that, but I don't think we really have time <laughs> because we're we're coming near to the sure. end here. Um, no so what I want to do is I love to do this with everybody who comes on. Is I want to just do a quick little lightning round. It's three questions, and I just want you know you may have thought about it before because you actually get the questions well in advance, but yeah, yeah. just kind of first things that come to your mind for all three of these questions. So the first one is the top three books that you have read on any topic. Oh, well, one of my favorite books that I, I tend to read regularly, uh, at least once a year is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And uh, I really like the audio version uh, that's narrated by Jeremy Irons. <laughs> so if you're, you're, because he acts out all the characters, it's just amazing. And if you're not familiar with Paulo Coelho, he, he's just a, a wonderful writer and uh the book, The Alchemist, it is a fiction work um, with a lot of spiritual undertones. That's just the nature of his writing. But it, it talks all about this idea of, of trusting your instinct and mm-hmm. getting out of your own way, but also this idea that we're all on a journey. Nice. You know, and we're always progressing. And uh, it's just, it's a beautiful story and uh, very inspiring. So I, I, I always like that one. Um, I mentioned yesterday, actually, uh, Man's Search for Meaning yep. by Viktor Frankl. Probably one of the most profound books I've read in the last decade. You know, and I wish I read it when I was a lot younger, to be quite mm. frank. Like it's, it's, it's that profound and what he talks about and just real short background, Viktor Frankl survived the, the, um, uh, a number of concentration camps, including Auschwitz. And, uh, but he was uh, a psychologist. Uh, and so you can imagine a psychologist going through that, pro- that, that very traumatic time uh, in history and, and being uh, just a, a Jewish person and his entire communities and, and literally everybody he knew being persecuted by the Nazis and and just that experience and that internal reflection while yeah. observing what was happening. So the first half is really the recollection and the recounting of that story uh, of what his experiences were. Very, uh, you know, just there's, there's some parts there where I had to put the book down, you know, like it's, Mm. it's pretty dark at times, but uh, the the second half talks about logotherapy, this idea of, of being very purpose driven being aligned with your purpose. And if you do that, uh, it's amazing. You you can endure any pain, right? Uh, When you have a strong enough why. And uh, so um, that's the second one. And then, you know, there's a bunch of other books that would easily tie in the third place, but uh, most recently, if I'm thinking about one of the books I enjoyed the most is a book called Fear Vanna. And Fear Vanna's by uh, Akshay, uh, I can pronounce his last name, I think it's Nanati. And uh, just a great book. It's fairly new, um, but it talks all about that fear never goes away. It's there. It's always there. 
but learning to not only accept fear, but to, to, to harness fear in a way that it allows to propel us and, and trust ourselves to, to be able to overcome or at least uh, work with fear. And, yeah. and so he's got lots of data, like from a science background. So he's very uh, data driven. Okay. And so it's really cool. It's not like a, a theoretical book. It's actually a practical handbook to how to, to leverage fear and utilize fear to, to achieve the things that you want to achieve in your life. Yeah, and really it. like remove all the limit limitations. So uh, yeah. those are the three books right now uh, that uh, are, are front of mind. But uh, man, I've got a long list. So yeah, uh, uh, but yeah. it's actually go. interesting. For the first time, I haven't read any of those books. Oh, cool! So right usually, on. when people give me their three books, I've read yeah. at least one of the books. Nice. I've never read cool. either any of those books, so I'm gonna have to pick all those up. And well, I have to be to fair. Reading. The last two that I mentioned were just uh, I have a men's group that uh, I've been participating in and facilitating for the last two years. And yep. we have a monthly book club. And so the last nice. two books that we've read uh, were those last two I just suggested. So that's why they're very front of mind. And I'm like, yeah. man, I really wish I was introduced these books a lot earlier because yeah. they, they were that impactful. And I think that they really speak to a, a you know, it's that motivation quality within us, right? That, yeah. that inspiration that we're always seeking uh, rather than always having to be motivated by the externals. It's learning how to leverage the intrinsic side of, of our motivations. And, and I find those books, all three of them speak to that really well. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Uh, all right. Question number two, your yeah. top three mentors along your journey thus far. Oof. Well, you know, my, my former partner at uh, the company I co-founded with, uh, you know, he, he was one of my first business mentors and, and to an extent, a bit of a life mentor as well. Uh, more so on the business side. And uh, his name is James Newman. And uh, so he's still the CEO of Fitness Town, which is a Western Canadian company. And uh, so he was one of my first true mentors. Um, I've worked with a number of other coaches as well uh, for certain periods of time. I, I one, uh, just trying to think. Yeah, I guess Simon Lovell uh, was a mentor of mine for about a year. And uh, he's got uh, the Fitpreneurs, if you've, anyone's ever heard of that, Fitpreneurs. Um, he's got a really cool site, great podcast, and some great content. Uh, he's not as, he's pivoted in his own business. So I, I don't, he's not focusing so much on the fitness and health businesses, uh, coaching and mentorship side of things anymore. But um, if, if you look up his book and some of his old content, uh, he, he's really savvy when it comes to this digital marketing space. Mm -hmm. And uh, I learned a lot from him in, in my time working with him and uh, his team. And then I got to think, you know, the, the third one, like I mentioned Yuri Elkim, and, and I only worked with him for a brief period of time for a couple months, but uh, he was very impactful. Had, like I told you, that one question really yeah. shifted a lot of things for me. It was like, what do I have to do to make it impossible for my clients not to succeed? That question still to this day like it's that one thing that's resonated the most with me but he runs a great event uh well unfortunately not this year yeah uh but um healthpreneurs they they usually do an in-person event once a year and it is phenomenal people have the opportunity to go and check that out if you're in the wellness space it is an event to go to and uh we went to it the very first year and unfortunately we were living in bali the, the years subsequently yeah. um but now that we're back in north america next time they run that event we, my wife and i plan to attend again like it's awesome. just that good of an event and you learn a boatload but you meet some amazing people in this industry and, yeah, and uh so those are those are three that are front of mind right now uh that are most current on my journey um, yeah and then there's a lot of personal mentors that i have i gotta i gotta mention my wife you know like yeah. uh as i said we've been dating one another for about 20 years or, and 
it, she is the ultimate litmus test, right? That, that uh, she, she keeps me on the straight and narrow and uh, also very often the, the voice of reason. Uh, yeah. I got to put, if Chrissy doesn't approve, I, I struggle <laughs> with doing it, fully yeah. committing to it. Be, yeah. You know what it's like, you're married now, like, come on. It's, it's the one person that knows everything, all the good, the bad, and the ugly of me and accepts me anyways. So yeah. I do trust her input more than anybody else. And yeah. uh, so, yeah, that, that's sort of the bonus one there. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that you mentioned that because um, I feel the exact same way. Um, my wife is hugely supportive of what I do. And being in the fitness industry, specifically during this time when the pandemic hit with the ups mm -hmm. and downs, because I was doing pretty much all my revenue was live education. And she was probably the biggest cheerleader in my corner all the time when I oh, yeah. felt like I got no idea what I'm doing anymore um, or how I'm going to do this, right? Just like frustration, like all of the emotions. Mm -hmm. She, and I know your wife as well for you, it like just huge, um, not only not only helping you think through issues, but also giving you kind of a 30,000 foot view, but from a very personal, very trusting uh, or trustworthy yes. source, right? And uh, that's right. yeah, that's a huge thing to be able to have in your corner is, is a, a significant other like that. And I think we are both super lucky with the women that we have in our lives, so. Agreed. Um, <laughs> Score. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, last question. What would sure. die of today say to 20 year old die? Oh man, you know, just uh, trust in yourself, not be worried so much about what everybody else thinks. Just worry about what you think, you know, like I, I think about the earlier days and uh, I was so ego driven mm -hmm. and, but also worried about what people would think about me, wanted to be perceived a certain way. And, uh, and I would often prioritize that, you know, yeah. and also compromise certain core values in an effort to maintain that uh, as an example, like I haven't had a drink for over 10 years and yeah. uh, uh, this is not a, a private matter. I've made it very public. Uh, I've shared my story and it was, a, it was something that I learned to, to cope with a lot of stress and anxiety. And it was my way to relax and unwind was to have a couple of drinks at the end of every day. And, you know, sometimes a couple of drinks lead to a few more yeah. and uh, it just became a very specific habit in my life. And uh when I think back on it, you know, a lot of those habits were really ingrained in my 20s, yeah. like really ingrained. And, uh, you know, at 32, almost 33, that's where uh, I made a choice to, to change things. And uh, this last 10 years, I, I've learned more about myself, but also just the world in general uh, than I had in the previous 33. Yeah. And, but it was also because I put myself, you take away the crutch right? We all have crutches. We all have these little things that we cope or we put up with, yeah. right? Like with this, like these nagging little things that it's like, oh, okay, well, it doesn't hurt that bad. So I'll let it go. And we just sort of go through our life accepting that it, that's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, when we decide that, no, I don't want to accept this anymore. I deserve to be happier. I deserve to, to be more productive. I deserve to be able to better achieve the things I want to achieve in shorter periods of time. Yeah. And when you start looking at the things that are holding us back from running, it's these crutches. For yep. me, it was alcohol, you know? Yep. And I took away the crutches and I was like, oh man, I've got a pretty nasty limp right now. <laughs> I got to learn to walk again, yeah. you know? And, and then fortunately for me, I found some support. I found some people that were willing to, to mentor or coach or, or listen to me, just provide a space for me to just uh, talk about my frustrations. My wife was instrumental in that period. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it changed everything, everything. 
we wouldn't yeah. know each other today, Adam. Honestly, I don't know if we would it, had I not made that decision ten years ago to stop drinking. Yeah, you know, because I know the trajectory of my life was going. Yeah, and so I just wanted to at least share that because it, it's. Uh, I know social media at times can feel like smoke and mirrors, right? It's yeah. like, oh, everyone's life's great, yay! <laughs> and uh, I, I try to share the some of the darker moments too, because that's yeah. just life, and it is that's what it real. is. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, I do want to encourage people, if you've got those crutches, well, kick them away. Uh, yeah. It's going to be scary as hell, but it will be worth it. Yeah, I love that. All right, so just to wrap up, because um, I know you've got a lot going on, When, where can listeners go if they want to find out more about uh, the services that you provide, the products that you provide, uh, or even just more about you as a person and a mentor that they can follow, whether or not they interact or don't interact. Yeah. How can they do that? Well, I think the easiest way is uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, as I mentioned before, I, I tend to share a lot of content on those channels and uh, engage with people that engage with me. Uh, that's where most of my time spent. I'll, I'll just I want to, to let people know that like I, I don't spend a lot of time on social scanning and commenting on just posts. Um, I do it every once in a while, but it's not part of my everyday mm -hmm. because I realize it just, it just takes a lot of time and energy and yeah. I, I tend to focus more of my time and energy on content creation yeah. and the also interacting with those that engage with my content. And, and so, like I say, it's just, if you send me a private message, a DM or whatever, say, Hey, die. I heard you on Adam's podcast, really liked what you said about this. And hey, this was my aha. That's simple enough. Or just even saying, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, I love that. It's a great place to begin. And yeah. uh, as far as um, more information about me, my website's just a, a boatload of content. Uh, yeah. But it's all lifestyle orientated, not, not a lot of business talk there. Uh, I save some of that for more so for LinkedIn. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, like I said, just, just reach out. I'm happy to have a conversation anytime. Yeah. Yeah. And if for any listeners, if you do reach out, he is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, great human being. I want to thank you, Di, for coming on. I miss you. I miss your family. And um, I will uh, ch definitely chat with you soon. Absolutely, Adam. Thanks again for the opportunity and uh, loving this, loving what you're putting out, man. It's, uh, we need more of this. And so I, I know, uh, I'll be looking forward to listening regularly and learning. And uh, I, I look forward to either you being in Vancouver next or me being out east. So uh, either way, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. State of the Industry Podcast.